we truly learn why we're here. What is the purpose for our life? The whole Bible is God's purpose from beginning to end. And now I see that it's one story throughout and it is all for the same purpose, to bring God glory in this world. I now see where God is calling out for the nations to know Him. This is the Bible study of all Bible studies. I would say next to reading through the Bible from cover to cover, nothing has given me a better grasp on the big picture message of the whole Bible than perspectives. Perspectives on the World Christian Movement is one of the greatest classes you could ever take. Perspectives is a 16-week course that walks you through what God is up to in the world and how He's doing it. It'll walk you through the biblical perspective, the historical perspective, the cultural perspective, and the strategic perspective of the World Christian Movement. You'll see that fulfilling the Great Commission is actually doable in our lifetime in the power of the Holy Spirit. And you'll also learn why many churches have begun to adopt unreached people groups. We had the most amazing instructors. Men, women, young, old, all different nationalities. You show up, you eat, you can really grow in relationships with people just by showing up. I thought there's no way I can do all this reading in one week before the next class. However, once I got started on the reading, the articles were so interesting, so powerful, and so in-depth that I looked forward to doing that reading each week. The course is so biblically based that really anyone could come in and be encouraged and really grow in their uh, relationship with God through this course. At the end of the day, really, um, missions is about sharing the gospel with others. And I realized that the object is not to westernize the whole world. The object is to share the gospel with all peoples of the world in a culturally relevant way so that they can understand the gospel in a way that makes sense for their culture. Jesus came and he said, follow me. He didn't say you need to do this, you need to do that. He just said, follow me. Someday, he wants someone from every tribe and tongue worshiping him around the throne, and that will bring him the greatest glory. It's so aptly named. It changes your perspective. You've got to take this course. I want all three of my children to take this course. I want I want all 11 of my future grandchildren to take this course. You just, you've got to take this course. If you're on the fence about taking this course, take this course. You've got to take it. Good morning, Mission View. Well, what you just saw was a video for Perspectives. Perspectives is a class that is being hosted by Maranatha Bible Church, one of our sister churches in our sending ministry. It starts next Thursday night. It is 15 weeks from 6 o'clock in the evening until 9 o'clock in the evening. And we'd encourage you, if you have a heart to see people around the world come to know Jesus, take this class. If you don't have a heart to see people around the world come to know Jesus, take this class. So wherever you fall on that spectrum, take this class perspectives. It's incredible. Also want to let you know through next Monday, there, there is a cost associated with perspectives, but through next Monday, we're offering $107 in discounts uh, through next Monday. Those are available. Call the office, call and ask for Sarah Master. You can email her, Sarah, without an H, S-A-R-A, at missionviewchurch.org. Again, that's Sarah at missionviewchurch.org. If you want more information on how you can sign up for the perspectives class, you heard her talk about it last week. 
week. You've seen the video. If, if you're interested, call or email Sarah. Ask her about the discounts, and, and we, will, we will arrange that. And then I'm just going to say there's an additional $2 Steve Marshall discount. Uh, he didn't authorize that, but just ask for it, and then ask him, wouldn't you like to contribute $2 to see me take this life-changing uh, course. So this $2 Steve Marshall discount is also available until next Monday. And I've got a kid, so i got nothing for you. But Steve, Steve will help you out. Hey, starting tonight and throughout this week, we are so excited. Our community groups are launching back for the winter, uh, the winter semester, and we're so excited about that. And I really want to encourage you, if you have not yet signed up for a community group, sign up. Here's what community groups are. Community groups are groups of people who meet together once a week. They get together. They talk about their life. They talk about what they heard at church. They pray together. They're, they're there to encourage one another and really be invested in the lives of one another. So sign Sign up. It's, it's a one-time-a-week commitment from anywhere from about an hour and a half to two hours. There's child care available for you. Don't miss it. Sign up. You want to be there. You want to be part of a community group. And you can sign up for those. If you haven't already, visit our information tables, or you can go online to missionviewchurch.org groups. Again, that's missionviewchurch.org groups for more information and to sign up for community groups. It is so vital that you get involved and invested in one of these community groups. We have 16 locations. They're available throughout North Canton, Jackson, Green, Hartville, everywhere you could think of. We have one. Don't miss out. They meet on almost every night of the week. Week. Sign up. Don't miss it. It's going to be awesome. Hey, this morning we have an incredible chance to hear the heart and the passion of somebody named Pat Culpepper. Now, Pat Culpepper, many of you know, but if you don't know, he is the president and founder of Progressive Foam in Beach City, Ohio. And Pat has a passion, and his passion is to do well in business. But he has a bigger passion and that's to do good in business. And he talks about the difference and how doing well in business is a bottom line thing. Doing good in business is seeing lives changed. And Pat has seen a number of lives changed through his commitment both to his employees and also to missions projects around the world through profit sharing and just the investment that he does in his employees' lives. It's really an incredible thing. And he's going to share that information with you starting on January the 26th. Two weeks from today, January 26th, at 11 o'clock, we have something called the Equip class that takes place at the same time as the Commons. If you're interested in business, if you're in business, and you want to have an impact that goes a little bit more than just the bottom line, then you need to hear what Pat has to share. And so Pat's just going to share a little bit of his heart this morning with us. Pat, thanks for being here. Good. Thanks, Mom. Yeah. That was quite an introduction. <laughs> uh, yes, New Year's, we're talking a lot about resolutions and, and things that are different. I think we all have to think about time. We all have 168 hours in a week, and, and most people tend to think in time of time in terms of compartments. Like I have a work compartment, I'm 40, 50 hours a week during that. I have a sleep compartment that is, uh, you know, 50 to 60 hours a week. I have the coveted nap on Sunday afternoon compartment, which was goes back to the time of Christ. It was set aside as a sacred time that Christians have celebrated around the world. I have my family time. I have, uh, there's a variety of things that we think about in compartments. And then there's my God time. And if you think about your God time, you think, well, okay, I go to church on Sunday for two hours. I go to community group for two hours. Let's say I spend an hour a day in Bible study and prayer and, and, and in service to the Lord. You have now spent 11 hours of your 168 hours with God. And you think, dog, that's not good. 
And then we come to church and somebody's going to badger us about spending more time with God, like we want to have a meaningful Christian life. And you think, okay, where's that going to come from? I, I have to do better. I have to do better. So you start thinking, I'm going to have a resolution to do better in my time alone with God. But when you think about the work compartment, you think, no, no, not there. Because that is carnal. It's temporal. I, I earn filthy lucre there. I go there and I do what I need to do. I get my paycheck and I get home as quick as I can so I can go do meaningful ministry. Like By that I mean I'm going to go to the church house and do something that the pastor wants me to do, and now I have meaningful ministry. The problem with that idea is most of us will spend over 100,000 hours of our life at work. And not just hours, but the absolute best hours of our day. That's when you're the most awake, you have the most attention span, you have the most energy, and you put your very best time in, sadly, in your life. The 30% of your life you're going to spend at work. I cannot believe that God created a system by design that would say, I'm going to take the 30% of your life, over 100,000 hours, and I'm going to waste it on activity that is meaningless from a kingdom, eternal perspective. And so personally, I believe that God has called every one of us to be a minister. I believe he's given every one of us gifts, and he wants us to use those gifts to succeed in our vocation to create a credible platform for ministry. But there's a mindset that comes with this idea of marketplace ministry, so we're going to talk about that, and we're going, to, we're going to look at the scriptures, and we're going to look at the call that God's put on our life to ministry, how it fits in with our work life, and then we're going to look at some examples of people who, like me, believe that their work actually is their calling in life. This is what God built me to do. Like he called Brian to be a pastor or Steve to be a pastor or somebody a missionary, God called me to be a business person, and this is what I do. This is my, this is my ministry. We're going to look at what people have done right here in Canton, Ohio, right in Northeast Ohio, that have been effective, things that haven't been effective, what worked, what didn't work. And the end game is to be instructed, to be encouraged, and to, and to together get some ideas of what we can actually do, real handles, real life tools that we can use in our day-to-day -day life to turn that 30% of our life, over 100,000 hours, into a time that we can count on our ledger as time for God, that actually will have a, an eternal um, meaning in, in our life. So this is what we're going to talk about. I'd like to ask you to join me. I'm really excited about being in this class. I think I have something to bring to the party, but more importantly, I, we're going to have a discussion that we can walk away and, and give each other ideas of what can be done that we can use for the Lord's uh, glory and to uh, minister to people in our lives. So plan on joining me, and I'll, and I'll look forward to seeing you there. Thanks. <clears throat> Well, we're really excited about it. And again, that starts two weeks from today. Would you join me in prayer? God, thanks so much for giving us today. It truly is a gift. Lord, I pray that we would use today to make a difference. God, I pray right now we would just distance every concern, every care, all the distractions of our lives. And right now, God, would be just a sacred time where we focus on you focus on our relationship with you, on your love, on your grace, on your mercy for us. God, as we meet together this morning, we know that thousands, millions around the, the country and around the world are doing the same thing. And so, God, we pray for Pastor Steve Costello and Faith United Methodist Church. We ask, God, that you would work in, in their ministry. God, that, that you would be exalted and that they would have a great impact for your glory in their community. 
God, we pray for John Reeser, who's in Mexico, and he's working diligently at, at planning new ministries across Mexico. And God, we just ask that he would experience success and safety. God, we just ask that new ministries would be planted for your glory and your kingdom. And God, right now, we just ask that we would distance everything, focus on you, our Savior, and your Son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap our hands and give praise to the Lord. God, you are great. You're a great, Father, and we praise your name this morning. And God, I pray that, that our focus would be on you this morning. Lord, that as Brian prayed earlier, that we would distance ourselves from all the distractions, all the things that get in the way of us bringing you worship. We thank you for Pat and his words and just his perspective this morning. God, and that how time is such a precious thing, that we would use it to the, the best of our ability, Lord, to further your kingdom, to bring you worship, Lord, that our lives would, would be a resounding life of worship, God. And all that we do, all that we say, that our thoughts and our actions, that, that everything about us, Lord, that it would bring you glory and that it would be all for you. So, God, I pray now that you would just be with Brian as he speaks to us, Lord, as he opens your word. God, that he would, uh, that he would speak in a way that would fall on our hearts, uh, that it would refresh our spirits. God, that we would feel your presence here in this place and be changed by it. We love you and we thank you for the body of Christ that is the church. And the church said, amen. You can have a seat. Well, if you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, go with me to Haggai, the second chapter of Haggai. It's the third to last book in the Old Testament. If you weren't with us last week, that'll help you find it. If you have the Bible app, it'll take you right there. But this morning, we're going to look at the final chapter of Haggai, Haggai chapter 2. I woke up yesterday morning, and it was one of those days you wake up and you just have dreams of greatness that dance in your head. I woke up and I decided today will be a day that I will accomplish a lot of things. And so all of a sudden I, I started formulating a list in my mind of all these different projects around our house that I wanted to complete. Now I am the least technical, handy person you will ever meet in your entire life. But one of the things that we noticed when, when we moved into our new home was in the, in, the math, in the master bathroom, the shower plate in the master bathroom had a crack in it. And so we were worried that water would fall behind there. And so we did what any good homeowners would do. We just stopped using that shower for a while. And so I finally got the motivation. I finally got the motivation. Today is the day I will fix this. And so I did the second step of what any good homeowners who aren't handy did. And I went and I scoured YouTube to figure out how in the world am I going to do this because I have no idea what to do. Well, I got the handle of the shower off. That was great. And then I got the plate of the shower off, which is great. And you can see there we got a little nastiness going on here and we've got a crack right there. And so I took that off and then the next step was go and buy 
a new plate. And so I went to the store, and I got the new shower plate that I was going to put on. I come home, and here it is in all its glory. Here's the brand new plate. Now, you might be asking yourself, why are you holding the brand new plate? If the first thing on your list of things to do yesterday was to fix the shower faucet. Because the shower faucet didn't get fixed yesterday. That's why I'm holding the plate. Because the plate doesn't fit in our shower. Because the hole in our shower is too small for this plate to fit. Now, how did I find that out? Not when I took and bought the first plate and opened that up and tried to install that. I just figured there must be something wrong with the plate. So what did I do? I took it back to Lowe's. I got a refund. Figured they didn't have what I needed. Drove over to Home Depot. They didn't have what I needed. Drove to Hartville Hardware, asked the guy. He looked at me like I'm a moron, and he said, that plate's going to fix it. So what did I do? Four hours after I bought the initial plate, I bought the same plate at Hartville Hardware that an hour earlier I had returned to Lowe's. I come home only to discover I still can't fix it. There's a giant hole just sitting in our shower right now because I can't fix what I want to fix. And I woke up this morning and it bothers me. I've lived in that house for three months and it never bothered me before. But I woke up this morning and I'm mad and I'm bothered and I'm bothered because all of a sudden it's on the forefront. All of a sudden there is an urgency that I want to fix that stupid shower. See, while projects are immediate, we work hard. But as they linger... Our focus wanes. Andy Stanley says it this way. He says, time in erodes awareness of. Time in erodes awareness of. For three months, I sat with a broken shower, and I was fine with it. It was broken. It needed fixed. I realized it needed fixed, but then the more time I let it go by without actually fixing it, the more comfortable I became with the fact that it wasn't fixed to the point I didn't care. But all of a sudden yesterday, there was just a holy indignation in me that that shower was going to be fixed and it's carried over to today because now it is a pressing matter and now I want to fix that stupid shower and I will stop at nothing over today and tomorrow and Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday or not. I don't care if it takes me to next Saturday, but I promise you by next Sunday, if you ask me about my shower, it will be fixed because there is an urgency within me now. It's immediate and my focus is there. And in Haggai chapter two, what we're going to see is though the temple sat idly by for 16 years and, and they kind of started a little bit of repair, but they really hadn't done anything else. God called their attention to it and he said, get moving. And now that they got moving, God is keeping their attention at the forefront, his project, the rebuilding of his temple. And that's where we are this morning in Haggai chapter 2 when we read this. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say, who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? 
Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. Who's left among you who saw this house in its former glory? Who, who's left among you who saw, this, who saw this house before it was ransacked in the siege that we talked about last week? Remember that, declares the Lord. And now look at it. God is calling their attention to the project to stir within them an urgency to repair his temple, which was the center place of their relationship with God. And then he says, be strong and fear not. Be strong and fear not. In a lot of ways, strength and a lack of fear are foreign concepts to our culture. If you don't believe me, just watch cable news. It doesn't matter whether it's Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, or one of their offshoots. Just watch cable news. Actually, don't. You'll be a much happier person, I promise, if you just don't watch cable news. But strength and fear, you will see a lack of, a lack of in our culture. We don't, we don't celebrate strength. We don't celebrate a, a, a just, just a, an attitude where we don't fear things. We, we embrace weakness. We, we, as a culture, we, we embrace living in constant fear. So anything from a snowstorm to a terrorist attack, it's just it's bombarding us constantly, and we eat it up. And you get this expert on saying how this snowstorm is going to be the worst thing we've ever seen, and it could wipe out civilization, and then we let that play out, and then the snow melts, and then what happens? We get an expert saying the next terrorist attack is on its way because of this administration or because of what this administration did, and we get the so-called experts to come on that, and then that runs its course, and then we, we just constantly move from issue to issue to issue, and the cable news does it because it gets them ratings, and we consume it, and we allow ourselves to constantly live on the edge, to constantly live in fear, and constantly look out for somebody else to take responsibility for our actions. That's how our culture operates. And God is telling them, live in strength and do not fear because of me. Because of me. So if you're a Christ follower, I just want to challenge you. What's the worst that happens? During the next snowstorm, you lose electricity. You can't boil water. All of a sudden, you get sick. You die. If you're a Christ follower, you're going to heaven. Stop living in fear. Turn, just turn cable news off. It will change your life. I promise. And just embrace the calling that God has given you on your life. Operate your life with strength and a lack of fear. Why? For I am with you declares the Lord. Fear not. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in. 
And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. God tells Haggai, tell the people to remember the promise to come. The promise to come. See, where we were before this was Solomon's temple was absolutely incredible. It was, it was, an, it was just a feat of architecture, and it was, it was a glorious building, and it was a place where people came, and they rallied around, and they went, and they worshiped God, and they sacrificed to God, and it was the center of their spiritual development, and here it lies in ruins. But God says, I'm... I'm going to create a place that is greater still, that is yet to come. You see, the outlook for them was bleak. We looked last week. The reason that they weren't building the temple in their minds was because they had a lack of security. They didn't have safety. And so they just kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And their outlook was bleak. We went, through, we went through last week the history of all the kings that came through and conquered the land, and then they were conquered, and then they were conquered, and constantly they were driven out of the land, and this kingdom would rise, and this kingdom would fall, and this kingdom would rise, and this kingdom would fall. And so out of that fear, they don't build, and the outlook is bleak, but God wasn't done. God wasn't done. And in 500 years, this same city, in this same city, God would show up on the scene like he'd never had before. When divinity would mix with humanity and the God-man Jesus. And he would be delivered to this city as a baby child. Who'd live a perfect life. And the God-man Jesus Christ. And who would come to fulfill his purpose, and that is to die for our sins so that we could be redeemed. And he would die on a cross, and he would resurrect. He would resurrect from the dead three days later, and then he would ascend to heaven. But he would ascend to heaven with the promise that he would be back to reign and to rule. See, just as their outlook is bleak, our outlook is bleak. Our world is messed up. But in the same way that God wasn't done and he was in 500 years going to do something incredible that they never would have imagined or seen before, they just couldn't fully comprehend. God isn't done and he is going to do something incredible. He will return. He will rule and he will reign and he will return to that place where the temple was constructed. He will rule and he will reign. God isn't done, and the hope, the hope that is to come is found in our relationship with him through his son, Jesus. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. On the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet. Thus says the Lord of hosts, ask the priests about the law. 
If someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches with his fold bread or stew or wine or oil or any kind of food, does it become holy? The priest answered and said, no. Then Haggai said, if someone who is unclean by contact with a dead body touches any of these, does it become unclean? The priest answered and said, it does become unclean. Then Haggai answered and said, so is it with this people. And with this nation before me, declares the Lord, and so with every work of their hands, and what they offer there is unclean. Now, Haggai asked two questions. He asked two questions. And the point of his two questions is this. Sanctification isn't contagious. Contamination is contagious. Let me say that again. Sanctification isn't contagious. Contamination is contagious. Now, this is, this is something that we all understand in our everyday lives. And, and let, me, let me reveal this to you. Here's the tale of Brooke and me this week. This week, Brooke wasn't sick. This week, on Tuesday at about 1 o'clock, I laid down in bed and didn't get out of bed until Thursday morning at 9 o'clock. Why? Because I got hit with the flu, and I got hit hard with the flu. Now, here's what's interesting. Brooke did not follow herself around with a can of Lysol and spray everything down. Brooke came into our room and our bathroom with a can of Lysol and sprayed everything down. Brooke did not worry about her exposure to Ethan. She didn't worry that if he was exposed to her, that he would get anything. She played with him as she normally would. She kissed him repeatedly. She was up in his face at all times. Brooke very much worried about my exposure to Ethan. And she very much worried that my exposure to Ethan would get him sick. Brooke did not immediately, when she got out of the bed that she slept in, take all the sheets off the bed, throw them in the washing machine, and wash them. The second I got out of my bed, Brooke asked me to take the sheets off the bed, walk them downstairs, and throw them immediately in the washer, at which point she would wash the sheets. Why? Because we understand that sickness contaminates. Health doesn't. Sickness is contagious. Health isn't. We understand that in our everyday lives. And spiritually, same is true. Sin is this way. Sanctification isn't contagious. Contamination is contagious. 1 Corinthians 15 levies this warning. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Contamination is contagious. And so I want to challenge you. Be careful. Be careful who your friends are. Be careful who your friends are. Be careful who you surround yourself with. Be careful who you date or who you marry. If you're single, especially, listen to this. Be incredibly careful. Something I told high school students all the time when, when I worked with them is, is this. It's better to be single wishing you were married than married wishing you were single. It's better to be single wishing you were married than married wishing you were single. 
And I know there's a very real temptation sometimes if you're single to just, to just get frustrated, to so desperately want a, a life companion, to look, and especially with the season that we just went through, and then Valentine's Day is coming up, and, and, and you just look around, and it seems like when you're single, you look around and you don't see anything but people who are just so happy in love and, and living a modern-day fairy tale, and it's so easy for them, and everybody's happy except you. That's, that's what it seems like sometimes when you're single, and I just want to caution you. Take your time. Don't rush into anything. Make sure you look at the person that you are considering being in a relationship with and, and, and really look into them. And if there are character flaws, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't allow yourself to go down that road that I promise you will end in misery. Don't sell, don't sell yourself short. Don't sacrifice. Don't give up. Have standards. Have commitments. And wait. And I know sometimes it gets hard. And I just want to challenge you. Be willing. Be willing. Be willing to hold out. Please don't run into anything just because you're lonely. I can think of nothing worse than being in a situation where you're married and wishing you were single. Don't sacrifice. Don't settle short. Have standards. And be incredibly careful. If you're going into business, be careful before you enter a business partnership with somebody. It's like a marriage. Make sure they're trustworthy. Make sure that you have the same ethics and, and you, you have the same foundation or else your business will not succeed and it will leave you with just an incredible headache. Be careful. Why? Because sanctification isn't contagious, but contamination is. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. But sin affects us on even a deeper level than that in terms of contamination. See, 1 Corinthians 15 goes on to say in Romans chapter 5 tells us this, that, that we're, we're all born corrupt. We're, we're all born corrupt because of the fact that we're human. Adam's sin extends to us, and we don't have time to look at it today, and it extends to all people in Romans chapter 5, 1 Corinthians 15. And, and here what we see in Haggai is the same principle that contamination had spread and it had affected all all the people, so much that they're going through some of the outward processes of, of a sanctified relationship with God, and God sees no honor in it. He says, then Haggai answered and says, so it is with this people and with this nation before me, declares the Lord, and so with every work of their hands, and what they offer there is unclean. They were going through the motions, they were bringing sacrifices to the temple, and they were contaminated. And that's our natural state. And that's why it's so easy for us to fall back there. But God in His grace redeemed us through Jesus. So that if we become a Christ follower, if we become a Christian, we become literally a new creation. And we're given a new nature. 
but it extended to all the people. Now then, consider from this day onward, before stone was placed upon stone in the temple of the Lord, how did you fare? When one came to a heap of 20 measures, there were but 10. When one came to the wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were but 20. I struck you with all the products of your toil, with blight and with mildew and with hail, yet you did not turn to me, declares the Lord. Consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider, is the seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have yielded nothing, but from this day on... I will bless you. And God says, remember the curse. Remember where you were. Remember your heartache. Remember your toil. Remember all those things that we talked about last week. You ate, but you were never full. You drank, but you were always thirsty. You put on layer upon layer of clothes, but you were always freezing. Remember that. Remember that which I have, which I have struck you with. And now anticipate the blessing. And so for us, church, remember where we were before a relationship with Christ. Remember Remember where we were? We were lost. We had no hope. We were dead, the Bible tells us. We were dead. And remember where we are now as a result of a relationship with God. We are a new creation and we are alive. The greatest transformation that could have possibly taken place has taken place. We have crossed over from death into life as a result of what God has done for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Remember where you were and anticipate the blessing that is to come when we will forever rule with God, and we will worship Him for all eternity. And from that which we were to that which we will be is incredible. The word of the Lord came a second time to Haggai on the 24th day of the month. Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I am about to shake the heavens and the earth and to overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I am about to destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the nations and overthrow the chariots and their riders, and the horses and their riders shall go down, every one by the sword of his brother. On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord, and make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you declares the Lord of hosts. And here we see the promise of Christ's triumph and blessing his people. He tells Zerubbabel that, that he will make him like a signet ring. Now the signet ring was a symbol of honor, authority, and power. It corresponded to a king's scepter, which was used to seal letters and decrees. It was the official mark, the official emblem of the king. And here God tells Zerubbabel, I will make you like my signet ring. I will mark you as mine. It's my chosen. You wear my mark. You are identified as my property. Notice that throughout this passage, it's not because of Haggai, and it's not because of Zerubbabel. Throughout, God says, I will. I will shake the heavens and the earth. 
I will shake the nations. The silver is mine, God says. The gold is mine. I will do this. I will overcome. I will be victorious. I will. It's not because of Haggai. It's not because of Zerubbabel. It was the work of God. And here's the truth. God didn't need Haggai. He didn't need Zerubbabel. He didn't need the people to build his temple. God doesn't need us. Let me say that again. God doesn't need us. And yet, what's so incredible is though he doesn't need us, he chooses to utilize us for his glory. To take broken Brian and to make me his. Not because I have something incredible that God needs from me. God is self-sufficient. He doesn't need anything from me but because he loves me. He chooses to utilize me for his glory. Not because God needs Pat Culpepper to reach the employees of Progressive Foam, but God chooses to utilize Pat and his gift set to impact people's lives. For God's glory. The reality is God doesn't need any of us. And yet what's so incredible is he chooses to utilize us. And so today, as you walked in, you were handed a book. And this isn't some guilt trip. This isn't some, you must do this. Because I'm dumb enough to believe that if God wants it done, He'll do it whether we get the volunteers or not. God will figure out a way. I believe that with my whole heart. And this book is a sampling of six different areas in this church where we've highlighted tangible needs. This isn't a guilt trip. It's just to let you know. God's given you gifts. And God doesn't need you, but God desperately wants you to utilize the gifts that he's given you for his glory. And so wherever your gift and your passion is, whether that's in people or labor, mine's not labor, or children, or technical, or specialty, or administration, wherever your gift set lies, wherever you have a passion, there are opportunities. There are opportunities that range from every single week to quarterly. Because we understand that people are invested and involved in other things. We don't want you to shortchange your job or your family to come. So we're not going to give you a guilt trip. What we're going to do is say, here's the need. Ask God if, if you're the one he wants to fill it. Not because he needs you. 
but because he wants you. And that's the beauty of what God did in rebuilding his temple. Have we convinced ourselves God's working is dependent upon us? Need to Breathe over the past couple years are, are a band and they're getting set to release a new album. Over the past couple years, they've been debuting a, a brand new song named Difference Maker. One night in Atlanta, Georgia, Bear Reinhardt, the lead singer, was, was playing this brand new song and the audience began to cheer. And he stopped mid-song and he gave an explanation of it. And he said this, I wrote this song out of sarcasm. He said, I looked around and, and I, I just sensed that sometimes we convince ourselves that God needs us. And he told the audience this, God does not need you. He can handle it all himself. So I've asked Mitch and the band to come and to play this song just as a, a time of introspection. I'm going to read the lyrics to you and, and just know the heart in which they were written. He writes, yeah, isn't it amazing how God can take a broken man? Yeah, let him find a fortune and then ruin it with his own two hands. Oh, isn't it amazing how a man can find himself alone, calling to the darkness for an answer that is never known? He walks on up the hill, the rock on which he stands, look back, looks back at the crowd, looks down at his hands, and he says, I am a difference maker. Oh, I am a difference maker. I am the only one who speaks to him, and I am the friendliest of friends with God. Yet isn't it amazing how a man can find himself alone, calling through the darkness for an answer that is never known. He walks on up the hill, the rock on which he stands, looks back at the crowd, looks down at his hands, and he says, I am a difference maker. I'm a difference maker. I am the only one who speaks to him, and I am the friendliest of friends with God. Yeah, I am on the fence about nearly everything I've seen. I have felt the fire put out with too much gasoline, and we're all strangers passing through places one afternoon, and life is but a vision in a window that we're peeking through, a helpless conversation with a man who says he cares a lot. It's a hopeless confrontation about who might throw a punch or not, but we are all transgressors. We're all sinners. We're all astronauts, so if you're beating death, then raise your hand and shut up if you're not. Oh, I am a difference maker. I am the only one that speaks to him. And I am the friendliest of friends of God. God doesn't need us. But in his glory and in his love, he chooses to use us. He chooses to use you and you and you you and he chose to use Haggai and he chose to use Zerubbabel and he didn't need any of them but he chose to use them he chose to redeem us for his glory so in a couple minutes we're going to take communion but before we do I want to make sure that we just remember we're dependent upon God. Listen as Mitch and the band play this and then we'll be back out to, to talk about communion. And as he does, think through how could we 
serve the God who doesn't need us, but wants us desperately. Just amazing how God can send a broken man. Yeah, let him find fortune and then ruin it with his own two hands. Oh, isn't it amazing how man can find himself alone? Calling through the darkness for an answer that is never known. He walks up on the hill, the rock on which he stands. He looks back at the crowd, looks down at his hands. He said, I am a difference maker. With a man who says he cares a lot It's a hopeless confrontation About who might throw a punch or not And we are all transgressors We're all sinners We're all astronauts So if you're beating that Then raise your hand But shut up if you're not Cause I am the difference maker Oh I am Only one who speaks to him Difference maker, oh. 
to him and I am the friendliest of friends of God. As we prepare to take the Lord's Supper, is to realize just how much we need God. To realize that apart from God, we're dead. He's the one who beat death. And he came to redeem us. Because he loves us. And he chooses to use us, not because he needs us, but because he loves us. And that's what's so incredible. That God in his love is motivated for us, not because he needs us, but because he loves us. It's that love that caused him before the, before the foundations of the world to, to decide to take on the form of humanity and divinity and to come in the God-man that is Jesus. To die for my mistakes. For your mistakes. So today, let's make sure we reflect on that. God, I pray that you'd forgive us. For any area of our life where we fall into self-importance. God, the cost of our sin. The cost of our contamination. How drawn we are to it. God, forgive us. God, I pray right now we would inventory our lives and if there's any sin, if there's anything that we're holding on to that we haven't confessed to you, God, that we would just give that back to you. We would just say, God, I'm wrong. Forgive me. Purify our hearts. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for redemption. Thank you for sending your son, the ultimate difference maker, who died so that we could have a restored relationship with you. God, focus on you, your cross. Amen. Now we're going to pass the bread and the cup. When we pass it, just hang on to it. And in a minute, the song will be played, and then we're going to take it together as a church family. And we invite you, if you have a relationship with Jesus, to, to take the bread and the cup and just hang on to it. And then in a minute, we'll all take it together. night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it, handing it out to his disciples, and he said, 
This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. God, thank you. You don't need us, but you love us and you want us desperately. God, thank you for that. In spite of the fact that we rebelled against you, you still love us so much that you died for us. God, I pray that that would change how we look at our entire world and our lives. And God, I just pray that we would change in your name amen right now we're going to pass commute or pass the offering we got one song left this morning and then what we're going to ask you to do is if you've had a chance to go through this book and you just see something and you're ready for it get a pen and just put it on this stage right here right here right over there whatever whatever you want to fulfill and we're going to hang that up and we're going to we're going to keep track of that there's a number of areas that we want to see people involved we want to see God utilize the gifts that you have we're so excited that you're here one last thing students remember today is the new time you start right at 11 o'clock down in the media resource center so we're really excited about that as well we're so excited that you're here and we're so excited that God is wanting to accomplish great things for you uh, Mitch and the band are going to play us out with this one let's stand and sing again just say amen clap our hands and give praise to the Lord amen you're dismissed we'll see you in the comments <laughs>